Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hello, Arnon. Hey there. Pastor David in the house. I was going to play a game and have the people. You didn't tell me you were going to play a game. We never planned for any of these things. Let's let's rewind. Rewind the tape. (laughs) Take it back. Whose laugh, whose voice is that? (laughs) Pretend like I didn't tell you. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I know. Pastor David, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Christine Mead, good to be with you and all your audience. Good to be back. Welcome. Everybody's favorite pastor is here. And I was going to share to you, Pastor David, since last time we were able to chat on the pod, you have since started a company, Distilled Wisdom Coaching. Um, oh my gosh. For... Why does nobody tell me things? <laughs> I know. So we can surprise you and see your reaction and hear your reaction <laughs> on the podcast. Pod. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah. Uh, I provide coaching that. for churches, organizations, and individuals. You're a leadership coach, which... I'm like, this is what you have already been doing. I mean, this is what you're already doing. This is what you do. You've, I mean, you've coached me, lots of people, but yeah, congrats on, on that. Thanks. Yeah. So it's a, you know, a big kind of a step forward just in God's calling on my life and what God's already been doing. And it just kind of kind of gives it a little bit of more formality to it. Also will be the umbrella for uh, a couple of podcasts that I'm working on uh, currently, and uh, ho- hopefully we can share that with your audience soon. Maybe in a future episode, if I don't completely blow it today and uh, get the <laughs> get the invite back again. So yeah, it's an exciting time. Yay! So happy awesome. for you. Love yeah, that journey you. for you. So today we are talking about something like Christy. I don't know about you, but this I'm not sure I've ever talk to a client or participant in any of my groups without having a conversation around values because, mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about today, values. Because when we're stuck in the drinking cycle, well, when we, whenever there is this internal conflict that we have, this chaos, this, this, I always called it like this just internal chaos, this noise that was there, it points to how what we say we value and how we're showing up, what our actions and our behaviors are, how they're not aligned. That was something that like, I didn't know and could have probably saved me a lot of a lot of years with the drinking because I used to I used to say that I really value connection and yet wine I thought wine was a thing that was creating connection for me and yet it was single-handedly making it much harder to connect. And so we wanted to have this conversation because number 1 it's super uh it comes up all the time and number 2 it's super important because it is your values are what are driving your behavior or your inaction or you know Mm -hmm. reactions to things and so we brought pastor david here to to kind of walk us through because i know he's got some some distilled wisdom for us around this topic there you go there you go nice how you uh pulled that in that was great yeah thanks that was not scripted um i wanted to start too with the you've said this before i got this from you david the you know how do we know what we value well look at your your Time in your treasure, how you spend your time and how you spend your treasure, your your calendar and your checkbook or bank checkbook? account now. I Who know. Has a, do you guys write checks in America still? 
No. No. I'm serious. No. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. It's no. just my dad. Okay. Okay. It's okay. D- just a just a reference point for us old people. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's like how I was like, oh, I don't have an iPod. I didn't listen to an iPod, and, and how did we listen to music before that? Anyway. That's right. Um, Sorry, me. Go ahead. I know it's fine. It's fine. I'll get back get back on track. But looking at your time yeah. and your yes. looking at your time and your bank account can give you an idea of what you value. And when you find by doing that search that it's not pointing to like it points that eight hundred dollar a month wine bill, mm. you're like, oh, and that can be really painful. But also, it's it is the reason why you're experiencing internal conflict and all the cognitive dissonance. And so can you take us from there, David? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would actually say you can go beyond time and treasure and you can almost look at everything that you do, like every decision that you make, every action Mm. that you take. And there's always a why behind the what. And that's what a value is, a why behind a what. And you were talking about the dissonance that, that sometimes we experience individually. But you kind of you can kind of see that there's this underlying principle of uh, a value behind a decision or a belief behind a behavior with almost every aspect of our lives. And and here's here's kind of a simple way to do that. When you see a person act in a certain way outside of your own behavior, we're really quick to attach like a characteristic or a value to that person. So if you see a person acting in like a benevolent way or like they're doing some some good work with someone else or maybe they express some generosity generosity or hospitality to you you would go well that's a good person so we attach like a characteristic or a value to that person and their behavior same thing when we see somebody acting in some way that we would even though we're not judgmental we might like get a little uh, judgmental in when they act in a in kind of a, a harmful way then we are quick to attach like a, a characteristic to that person or a value to that person. Now, what we do with our own values or our own behavior, a lot of time and the decisions that we make is that we'll excuse that or we'll justify mm. it. So we don't attach the same thing. So, but, but it is true of us as well. Every decision we make, every behavior we have has an underlying reason behind that. And that's what I would say a value is or a core value is that it's the why behind the what it's a fundamental belief that shapes our behaviors. It's uh, it's an ideal that shapes our decision. That's what a core value is. And we see that in every aspect of our life. I use the term we, it's because you see it in organizations, you see it in families, you see it in individual lives. And here's the challenge of it. Most people don't know like exactly what those core values are that they have. They haven't necessarily articulated them in either a word or a phrase, but we still have them. Mm. So the key is to figure out, okay, why I'm acting the way that I'm acting, or how do I want to act to reflect who I want to be? And that's where I think like evaluating, identifying, writing down, formulating core values can actually be helpful uh, to us individually as well as kind of corporately. And I didn't know that until I started a church, you know, in 2006, and I was getting some coaching. and this this church planter coach was like, you need a mission statement, you need a vision statement, and you need core values. And I was like, what What in the world are core values? Mm-hmm. And basically, he was like, these are the non-negotiables. These are the essentials that will help you make all of the decisions for your organization, for your church. And 
I can't tell you the value that that had for, you know, that those early days of the church when you're trying to make all kinds of decisions that are going to shape the future of a church for, you know, hundreds of years or until Jesus comes back, whenever that is. And then I was having a conversation with a person in my wisdom circle, which I'll get to a little bit later on with like my personal core values. And he was talking about core values for a family. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is great. Like, yeah, I should have core values for my family. So started thinking about that, having conversation with my wife, Liz, and then we shaped those core values for our family. And then it just hit me. Well, if you've got that for an organization, you've got that for uh, your family, maybe you should have that for yourself. And so, yeah, I, I've identified those five areas of my life that I think matter most and then core values for each of those. And then there are actually core values underneath those core values that kind of come back to like individual words or characteristics and attributes that you want to have in your life. So anyway, that was a lot of stuff in there. I don't know if any of that was helpful. I want to know what the conversation Did you sit the whole family down and everybody got a say? Like, what did that look like? And what did you come up with? And tell- I want to know that. Yeah. So when I was having a conversation with this guy, his name's Stan Reif, and he is a guy, he's one of the uh, most wise people that I've ever had conversation with. His children were older and he did this kind of like democracy of family core values, but my kids were younger. And if we had had core values when my kids were younger, it would be like (laughs) Oreos for dinner, you know, like that's what dinner should be. So no, we sat down, Liz and I sat down and we just processed through a couple of areas that we felt like were really, really important for our family. And uh, we came up with statements and then we tried to help, you know, shape our family's maturation and development with our kids with these, with those core values. And, and, you know, we got, I can talk about the specifics of those if you want, but, but I think that, does that answer your question as far as how we shape those? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And again, and again, you know, all, all of our behaviors have an underlying core value Mm -hmm. currently, but we can shape, we can better shape our behaviors by better shaping the ideal of what we want to have. Like mm-hmm. by saying, hey, is this, is this who I want to be? And mm-hmm. if it's not who I want to be, then who do I want to be? And why do I want to be that? And that's kind of how you get down to the questions of like, what are my core values? Or what do I want my core values to be? And I think the more you can articulate that and express that, have them written down, like I've got written down, then you'll see that start to take shape in your life. And you'll see this progress that you make towards that. Now, what's really interesting for me, sorry, what's really interesting for me is that there aren't necessarily, like, there's nowhere in the Bible, I'm a pastor, so there's nowhere in the Bible that was like, have core values for your life. But the Bible is full of godly principles and godly precepts that if we have those as guardrails in our life, we're going to become the people that God designed and God desires us to be. So having scripture to help with those principles and precepts in those areas of life that matter most, at least for me as a pastor, that's really, really important because I would say, hey, these are God's ideals for mm-hmm. for these areas of my life. And so if that's God's ideal, then if I can adopt that in my personal life, then then it's quite possible that I'll live that life that God has designed and desires for me. So yeah. So um it it makes me think about the difference between living just in the autopilot, sleepwalking, just kind of like a plastic bag floating in the wind. Uh, okay, Katie okay, Harry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, so, bad? I have no clue what you're actually referring to. Do so. you ever feel like a plastic, that one, floating through the uh, wind? 
No, yeah, no. still don't. But hey, right. if you'll keep singing, maybe I'll get it. So Christy, You're not going to do that. No, Ella would kill me. <laughs> it, was the, uh, it hit me from what well, I was thinking of the movie Sing. Yeah. Anyway, but like that, I mean, that is a good way of describing how so much of my days five years ago were. It was just kind of floating along. It was reactive. It was always mm-hmm. like things were happening to me, I thought. And so I was always just like responding. I was playing defense versus playing Hey, let's bring in a, a sports analogy here. Oh, I'm going to picture it. But, and as opposed to playing on offense yeah. for your life and sure. bringing and living with intention. And I mm-hmm. think that this is something that, well, I mean, Kurt Thompson talks about this too, is like, you know, paying attention. We have to pay attention to what we're paying attention to, number one. And sure. then it allows us to have that intention for where do we want to go? So what you're saying, David, is by kind of, figuring out what those core values are and having kind of an anchor and using, you know, biblical God's precepts and things to, to guide us, then that's mm-hmm. what helps us live intentionally into our preferred future based on what he wants for us. I mean, it's like, it's one of those where I'm like, it's so simple, yet I had no, I mean, I was just completely like oblivious to it for so long. Yeah, I think that's common. I mean, I, I think guys, I mean, even though I know about core values, I've taught on core values. You guys talk about core values all the time. We still fall into that trap, right? Sometimes we're, we're reactives and so reactive to life and we have these like competing core values. And so it's just really comes down to whether we're, we're going to live with the intentionality mm-hmm. of having this ideal of what life should be like. But most of the times when we, when we experience that dis, dissonance and that disconnection or disintegration like we don't we don't even know we don't even know why so if we'll pause to ask why then we'll figure out like what that is and then we go okay does that really match up with like god's preferred future for my life or who i really really want to be and when we see that disconnect there then we have the ability to to identify no this is who i really want to be and so I'm going to, I'm going to start to frame my life around those things. Yeah. So I, I don't remember when we had this conversation, but you were sharing the, the values that I guess yours, your personal values. And you said that your, your family was your first ministry. Yep. And yep. that was just, I was in the middle of a really uh, busy season with work and, and it hit me just, I mean, it was like punched to the gut because I was like, oh my gosh, that I, I, of course I say I value family. Of course I say I value health and wellness. And of course I say I value faith and, and all of those things. But when you said that your family was your first ministry and I'm looking at you as someone who is active in, you know, ministry, that is your Mm -hmm. job and your family is your first ministry. It was like, oh my gosh, me is your, is your family, your first ministry. I would say that, but at that season, I could not say the same. I'm like, actually, my clients are getting the better of, they're getting, mm-hmm. me and my family's getting the leftovers. Yep. And so, yeah, that so, was, yeah, powerful. So I'm going to, I'm going to put that back on you with a question because so up until that point, you had maybe not heard the phrase or thought about that. But then once you did and you thought, hey, maybe that's an ideal that I would like to have, how has that shaped your life? I mean, like, I know you have some concrete examples and I don't know if you want to share that on the podcast, but it changed your decision-making, didn't it? It did. Yeah, no, it absolutely did. And it was one of those things that like, I mean, I think that's what is always so mind-blowing when I 
when I look at any of my value and I have that chance, when I find myself doing something, I'm feeling that like discomfort and I have that noise, that conflict, but I can't quite pinpoint what it is. And and I've learned what like my patterns are. Like when I have like a to-do list that's this, this long, but I feel like paralyzed, like I can't. And I'm like, Ugh. and I'm picking up my phone a lot. And I'm, I mean, what I'm doing is I'm looking for those like easy button ways to avoid like having to pay attention to this discomfort I feel that I think I'm, is is there to clue me into the fact that, hey, you're out of alignment. You say you value your family, but they're not, they're getting the leftovers. And so mm. while I can look like I'm, you know, I'm taking my kids to school. I mean, I'm doing all the mom things. I also, am, I, it was paying attention to that discomfort that led me to going, oh my gosh, you're right. Your family does need to be your first, you know, ministry. Well, maybe it does or doesn't for somebody else. For for me, that really landed. And mm-hmm. so it, it did change things. So then it became, okay, it helped me realign where my priorities were. And I had to say no to some work things and that's okay. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I think one of the things that helped me kind of formulate that is I had a young pastor ask me what he needed to know going into like his first round of fatherhood. And I, I just kind of blurted out, say yes to your family as frequently as you can and say no to others as frequently as you can. And then I, I, I kind of unpacked it in the moment and I'm more of a verbal processor. So what I meant by that was in saying no, it's not that you shortchange your work. It's not that you don't do your job. It's not that you don't provide in the way that you provide. It's simply saying delegate and empower, especially in ministry, delegate and empower as many people with as many things as possible. And I actually believe that that's part of the ministerial job. Scripture says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so I feel like that's part of my job. And the better I equip other people, then I can say, no, guess what? You're gifted. You you have the ability to do that. And the more I can say yes to my family. And the more that I say yes to my family, then if I have to say no to my family for something, they understand that's the exception. It's not the rule. Mm-hmm. And that was huge for me. So even underneath this like idea of family, which is one of my five areas, uh, which happened to all those five areas begin with the letter F. So it's easy for me to remember, you know, family is my first ministry. That's a part of the reason, or that's a part of the way that plays out for me is trying to make decisions where I can say yes, as much as possible to, to my family and no to things as much as possible. That's, that's so good. That rings, that rings so true for me now. I'm so grateful for that because, uh, for sure. It was like, what if I, what if I gave my undivided attention to my teenager as if she was one of my clients. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. That was powerful. I mean, that shifted everything for me. Sure. And and it meant having to reorg, but the the fruit, y'all, oh my gosh, is is incredible. Well, and Chrissy, I don't know about you, but I know with Mead's story, you know, kind of the the moment of enlightenment for Mead was that conversation with Lily Jet that one night. Mm-hmm. And when when you start to value your 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 fam and not that you weren't valuing your family but when you start to understand like hey this matters more to me mm-hmm. than that that glass of wine at night you know what my daughter's perception of me is matters more than that glass of wine 
then that starts to shape things and it began the curiosity in you. And then you could really start to shape that. So even like my family is my first ministry. I put, I've, that's my phrase because I'm in ministry. And so it just helps. But like, whatever that is, that, that influences so many things, how you spend your time, what you do, you know, with a glass of wine or a number of other things. So it's, it, it has broad implications across the board when you can really figure out what those core values are for your life. So, which side side story after Crawford came on the pod and Sharon Lily Jett was like, "Why? Like, when's my turn? I wanted to." She's like, she, "I was like, well, babe, like you were so little, like you don't remember when I was, you know, drinking." And she's like, "Mom, I'm the reason that you even started this journey of freedom. Like, I am the reason." And I'm like, "That's right. You're you're right. And you were four years old, and yes, absolutely, you were, and you get that credit. So yeah, you know what? You could just have the pod to talk about whatever you want for an hour." Go ahead, well, girlfriend. If Lily <laughs> had her way, she would take both of your jobs. Like, yes. say that. it would be. And yours, David. Oh, well, that's true. I, well, she's I knew that tried. already. She's yeah. tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's tried. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you walk us through, if, if you don't mind sharing, like, what are yours? Because I also love how you've said before, um, I think where values plays nicely together with, and we talk a lot about this, the value of community and the value of people who are going to, you know, hold you accountable is what we do as coaches, right? In the mm-hmm. group setting and one-on-one and value of the people around you, who you surround yourself with that are going to keep pointing you back to God and keep, you know, keep okay. you focused. And you've talked about your wisdom council before mm-hmm. your, your board. I think you call them a board of directors in a sermon. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, so I'd love if you could kind of share that because I think that's something that could be valuable, pun intended. That was really bad. That really was, bad. that was pretty rough. I know. Like, is there a thing called like, mom jokes i don't know <laughs> oh yeah 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 right like i could okay. put those yeah your your dad jokes are way better than my mom jokes though so I, I, well, I don't to know say. about that don't ask my kids they would say no dad jokes rhymes with bad jokes but uh so cringe so yeah so the so the, the five areas that i've identified I, I think i think this is across the board five areas that i think every individual needs to like evaluate their life and at least kind of determine what their values are for those five areas. So faith, family, friendship, finances, and fitness. And so those are the five areas for me. They all begin with the letter F. So hopefully they're easier to remember, but I'll just kind of quickly walk through for faith. My, my core value or my phrase, this is the way I phrase it. So I can remember this is that I'm a follower first. I'm a follower first. And and this kind of comes back to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, 33, where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's really easy for me as a pastor and as a leader to get kind of more identified with that. When it comes to faith, it would be really easy for me to take my sermon prep and to consider that my own personal devotional life. It would be really easy to substitute my role as a religious leader as as like my faith development. And those two things are completely separate. In fact, I would argue that that my being a follower of Christ and a follower of God is first and foremost the most important thing to me doing the other thing. And if I have, and I have gotten those out of order in times, if I get those out of order, then the fruitfulness in ministry just dries up. It goes away. So seeking first uh, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to that. Matthew chapter six. 
And then also, like I heard one time that leadership, church leadership is simply spending time with the Lord, listening to him, doing what he tells you to do. And that's leadership. And I remember that guy, Stan Reif, that I mentioned earlier, when I met with him one time, he said, God's job is revelation. Your job is obedience. Oh. Like God, God's job is to tell That's you what it. he wants you to do. Your job is to do what he tells you to do. And so, so yeah, I'm a follower first uh, when it comes to my faith. When it comes to my family, my family is my first ministry. And then this comes back to biblical principles. Like, you know, the family is meant to be the primary disciple maker in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a person's life and or, or parents are supposed to be the primary disciple maker. So it's not a children's minister. It's not a teacher at a, at a school. It's not a pastor. It's, it's parents. And then even in the qualifications for ministers that, that are listed out by the apostle Paul to a young minister in first Timothy chapter three, he mentions that there's supposed to be competency in the family. And so like, in other words, like if I can't manage family well, then I can't manage the family of God well. And so, so there's, there's reason, biblical reason for family to be my first ministry. Saying yes to my family as much as possible means saying first yes to my marriage. Uh, I see this a ton, y'all, in, in pastoral care where marriages are broken because they place children first and not mm-hmm. husband and wife relationship first. And so mm-hmm. see that a ton. So placing placing my wife first in our family is important. And that comes back to scripture too. So Ephesians 5, 25, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. All right. So moving on, uh, fitness. This is my phrase. This is my core value. My body is to serve my mind. In other words, I, I want to be able to physically carry out the things that I want to do in life. And there's this one example in scripture where Jesus he goes to pray the night before he's arrested and then crucified, and his disciples are supposed to stay awake and pray with him in another location in the garden. They fall asleep, and he says, your spirit is willing, but your your flesh is weak, and I don't want that to be the case for my life as best as possible. And so I want to be able to do physically what I want to do mentally. And what I want to do is I want to be able to compete with my boys as long as possible. I've got one who has exceeded me in strength and speed but I'm still holding on a little bit to an edge with my 14 year old. So (laughs) I want to be able to hang on. And then I have this goal to be able to tube um, behind a boat with my grandkids one day. Like I want to be on that tube and not be in complete pain for, you know, weeks after that. So I just, I just want to be able to do what my mind wants to do. And I want to be a fit pastor. Stay awake though. Like the, the staying awake is the one that. Yeah, no, no. It's just, you know, going back to the principle of what Jesus said there. So yeah, no, forget about the I can't forget about the exact line. Yeah, that's right. Well, forget about the exact I'll example. Not taking that one, David. I'm not taking There you go. Okay, reject that one. Reject that one. But hanging, you know, competing with your kids, right? You want to do that, right? So yeah. And I, you know, and this is not to diminish or uh dishonor any other pastor, but I don't listen, I want to be a fit pastor. I don't want to be a fat pastor. And because I think that matters. I think it, I think it matters. It does. Okay. Why does it, why does it well, mean? Because, well, because I think when you talk about, it shows alignment with values, right? I mean, yep. it, you're, you're a, a pastor who is walking the talk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
walking the talk. I mean, that's 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 everything. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, not a vanity thing. It's a stewardship yeah. thing. That's yeah. the way I view it. You know, it's it's not a vanity thing. It's a stewardship thing, and stewardship is is uh, discipleship. So that's fitness, finances. Finances, I believe, are to fund God's mission for my life and my family's life. Uh, Proverbs 22, 7 says, the borrower is slave to the lender. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, you cannot serve two masters. You can either serve mammon, that's a spirit of money, or you can serve the Lord. And I know so many people who feel conflicted about the way they carry out their faith life because of the way their finances are. And then also there's a proverb, uh, proverb 13, 22, that says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And so I feel it's like Liz and I have this grand plan to be able to, to leave an inheritance, to leave something of legacy to our children's children. That would be our grandchildren. If you're taking note, that's how we view our finances and people like in ancient times, they view like their family as a banking system. And so they didn't go outside of their family to get funding to do life. And so I would love to begin to to do that and establish that. And I've already talked with my children about how I want them to carry on what Liz and I are trying to start with our family. And then lastly, friendship. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I'm just I'm just thinking about how your grandkids are going to be like, my granddad is the coolest guy ever. <laughs> Best granddad ever because I'm, I'm tubing with them and he left us money. Like, best granddad ever, right? Yeah. 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 And let me say this, like when I want to leave my grandkids money, it's not for them to just get an upgraded boat for the lake so (laughs) that they can tube with their grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's literally to fund God's, whatever God calls them to do, I want them to be able to do that. And so that's, that's the desire. Now we're a long way from that. So we got work to do on that, but it's shaping us. It's informing our decisions now that we mm-hmm. make in our finances so that one day that can be the case for them. Last category is friendship. Y'all, this is going to sound harsh. So just Uh-oh. hang with me. Buckle up. Um, but here, and this is the same, this is a family core value of, as well. So be friendly to all, but friends with a few. Be friendly mm-hmm. to all, but friends with a few. And the few are the people that allow me to be and to help me become the person that I think God wants me to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Proverbs 18.24 says, a man of many companions comes to ruin, Mm. but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I don't know if y'all know this, but back in teenage days, the larger that group got, the whole group IQ just drop to the level of the lowest IQ in that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and so you just make really, really poor decisions in life, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so decisions that Zero. would could, you know, ruin us. Sorority house in my head. <laughs> so, so yeah, so think about that. And so it's so true. Be friendly to all, but friends of a few. And so, and, and Christy, you know, I know we were we were talking maybe before we pushed the record button on those like core. those individual words that kind of sum up core values, right? Well, those should be the characteristics that we're looking for in the people that we spend the most amount of time with. Yeah. And I say true. to my kids, I don't know if y'all have heard this, but show me your friends, I'll show you your future. 
Mm-hmm. My right? kids talk about that sermon all the time. There you go. The only one they can quote of yours. The only one they didn't fall asleep for. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh, send that to me. I'm going to make my children listen to it. There you go. It's true. Yeah. Show me your kids. Show me your future. Show me your friends. Show me your future. I'll show whatever. I know. I I'm sorry. I missed you. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then there's another quote. And this might've been like Zig Ziglar. I mean, like somebody that's written a ton of books, but it's, you become the average of your five closest friends. Yeah. And, I love that um, one. That's pretty true too. So what are those characteristics? And you can list those out. For me, the like two main things with a friend is trustworthiness and loyalty. Like if, if you can't trust a friend, then I mean, they're not a friend, right? Yeah. They're not a friend. So, and then somebody that's loyal, somebody that's going to stick with you based off of, you know, what I mentioned in Proverbs uh, 1824, there's a friend that sticks closer to a brother. So, so, so for me, I, I have kind of like two layers of that. I have a wisdom circle or a board of directors that includes men who are further in life than I am but have the same, or, or they're kind of the ideal of what I want my life to look like in 20 to 30 years, Yeah, you know, in those five areas, they're all relatively fit. They've all been relatively successful financially. Uh, they've got great families. They have great faith. And, and I would imagine, you know, their friend network is pretty solid and uh, connected there. And then I have a group of guys that are my age, my stage and phase of life that I meet with. And we talk about five areas of our life and we hold each other accountable. And our ideal frequency is once a week where we get together, we eat some Christian chicken at Chick-fil-A. And, and then we get through these five questions or these five areas. And then I've got just a couple of like core guys that I get together more in just fellowship, not necessarily accountability, but these are my closest, closest friends. So. Those are my five areas. Those are my five core values for each one of those areas. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's it. No, it's so good. And I think, I don't know about you, Mead, but I didn't even start to think about any of this, right? Until I started doing this work and I put down the wine bottle and all of that. Uh, and and the things that were the most important to me were the things that I had moved furthest away mm-hmm. from. And mm. and that broke my heart, you know, But but I'm so glad that I did it because... Now I get to do that thing where I put family first. You know, I actually like did something really crazy yesterday and Ella's home from school and I was, I had calls and I just texted my clients and I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to reschedule. And I spent the whole day with her and it was so nice. And as I was sitting at the lunch table across from her, I was listening to her talk about Taylor Swift. I was just like, I'm just so glad. I'm so glad that I did that, you know, because this is, she's not going to be 13 forever, you know? Yeah. That's right. And in that conversation with her will make more lasting impact mm-hmm. with her than that time would have made with those clients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those clients will never remember the time you texted them and said, hey, I need to reschedule. So your daughter will always remember that time that you made time for her to talk yeah. about Taylor Swift. Yeah. But hey, listen, I actually know what's going on in Taylor Swift's world. Only because, because she's, she's dating, dating a, a professional player. I knew you were going to say that. Who's on my fantasy football team? So yeah, oh, paying wow. close attention to Travis Kelsey right now. I don't know how I feel about that relationship. Anyways. So, so I'm curious with you guys, though, as I went through those like five areas of life, have y'all ever compartmentalized life into like specific areas or y'all just 
I, yeah, this is what I think is, is hard. And I love that you gave like your like statement after it is mm-hmm. I can, I, I mean, I, I could, of course, you know, faith, family, fitness, wellness, of, of course, finances, of course, all of, you know, like relationships, whatever, friendships, of course, those things, but I have to take it and, and tease it out a bunch to, to really be able to use it as an anchor. Because if not, mm-hmm. it's like, what does it even mean to value family? And I think that's where, I mean, we always come back to curiosity, right? And it it's it's the way I got stuck when saying like, I really value connection with the Lord and my family, my husband, my friends. And yet for sure, wine was the thing that was getting in the way of that connection. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't have like a, I didn't ever pause and think about like, well, what does connection actually mean? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. How do I know if I have connection? How do I know if I don't have connection? I yeah. mean, I'm so cut off from cu- all, all curiosity anyway. And so I think that what I love about being able to do this work and being able to learn from other people, otherwise people who do have this more clearly dialed in maybe is that I can get curious about that and it's almost like this like rubric that I can use anytime I'm, you know, feeling that noticing I'm in that paralysis and I'm not, you know, doing the things that I need to do. Okay. Well, there's some, what, what, which of these areas is off. And so like, I love how you wrote that out. And so I'm inspired by that and I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time on each of those. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I um, did the same thing where I I recognized the areas and then did what you said, Mead, of like, okay, well, what does that actually mean? And like, what, 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 who do I, you know, value and, and all that stuff. And David, I loved what you said about the, the friendship one, because I feel like that would have been so helpful in the days when I was mm-hmm. like sitting in the shower thinking about all the friends that were going to leave me because I wasn't like party girl Christy anymore. And, wow. and it's right there so with you. true. The circle has like definitely shrunk, but it has been the biggest blessing of all the blessings of all time because the people are like me. Like we don't even live in the same country. And she's like one of my closest friends because right. she's got my same values, you know, and I yep. would have never, ever seen that coming. Oh, gosh, I love that verse so much. I feel like I need to call my editor and put that back. Put that in the book. And when I talk about like getting, get, being worried about losing friends when you're yeah. first giving up drinking, because it's so true. It's so good. Yeah. 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 And, and imagine, so, you know, if, if your listeners and all of us could actually, and maybe this is the, the takeaway, you know, uh, the tiny Tina uh, oh, the, yeah. is to, is to list out, like, let's, let's just use those five areas, right? Those, those five F words. And we list out, like we come up with our own either word or phrase to kind of sum up that. Mm-hmm. But then we extend that if we're parents to like our children, because again, like, like I didn't, I didn't have this until later on in life, but even, you know, even my life that I would say was pretty, pretty doggone good. I mean, I, I definitely screwed up and am, and am imperfect, but how much better could it have been? And so, you know, if, if Christy, you're, you know, if you had been ingrained early on in life with like, hey, these these friendships, they matter and mm-hmm. be friendly to everybody, but friends of a few and the friends that are a few are the ones that are going to help you become the person that you want to become. Mm-hmm. And we're able to, and that's probably all of those areas, that's probably the area that we spend the most time on with our kids, trying to help yeah. them discern that. And 
So we got some like teenage drama going on with one of my kids and we were like, Hey, is that person, the person that you like, like is helping you become the person that you want to be? Or is that person like Mm -hmm. stressing you out, causing drama? Yes. Okay. So how can we be friendly, but create some boundaries so that that person's Mm -hmm. not a main influencer in your life? And well, and actually we've done that with two of our kids in the past month, um, our 19 year old and our newly, you know, new driver in our house, our 16 year old who happened to both be girls. I don't know if there's a little bit more drama going on with like girls and teenage <laughs> oh relationships. Or something. But anyway, even. Yeah. Is that another, is that another episode for another day? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's, I mean, that's, that's such a good point. I'm like, could you talk to my children about that for me? Because that is one of the hardest things I think, especially in the teen years and then beyond and how it kind of continues into early adulthood. And, and I just, I wasn't, paying attention to any of that but also Mm -hmm. i think about one of the one of the things that like if i say i value now in like my relationships and my friendships is that they're going to not tell me what i want to hear but they're going to they're going to be honest with me and and that's something that i mean i created for a long time in my life that people were probably scared to tell me you know honestly things and they did tell me what i wanted to hear that's where I would say that's my like proof of progress, the growth that I've done. And, and I see the value in that because now I do have a clear focus of a vision for what like future I want to step into and how I want to show up in the world. And, and to be able to hit that mark means that when I am being, you know, a bonehead, then I need someone to call me out nicely, lovingly, kindly. And you know how we were talking, like, there's not, as a pastor, there's not like a list of core values in scripture, but even for that, there's a proverb that mentions that the wounds of a friend can be trusted and, and the wounds that they're talking mm-hmm. about there is like t- the truth that the truth hurts sometimes, but Hey, when somebody tells you the truth, like God's truth for you, mm-hmm. it might hurt. That can be trusted. Yeah. Whereas oh the gosh. world is telling, kind of telling you what you want to hear, feels good. It's always about being happy, whatever is like, well, can you trust that? Maybe not always. And so, yeah. So like me, your, that, that desire that you have is like directly related and rooted in principles from scripture or, or, or values for us. Well, and the conversation I was having with a group of friends the other day about God, it's, um, we're going to sidebar again you know, does God cause suffering or allow suffering? And, and we, and we were talking about, like Kurt Thompson talks about this and all of his stuff too, that like the first wound in the Bible, you know, God put Adam to sleep and took a rib. And, but the intention of that was to create beauty out of that. The, mm. cre- you know, the intention was good. Whereas, you know, in Genesis three, the wounding from the serpent, the intention is not good. So not that right. I'm saying that like, you know, I had friends that intended harm to me, but I think about yeah. how it, you know, in a roundabout way, like that is that wounding when it serves for me becoming more who, you know, God has created me to be, then, then it is a good thing, even if it hurts temporarily yeah. for me. I don't know what you want to do with that. If you want to correct any of my theology on that or how I've said that, but <laughs> we probably probably need a whole 
um, oh separate podcast just on what you just said. I know. I know. Do you need to correct anything in that, though? Did I say that wrong? No, I think so. I mean, I, well, I mean, you began that preface that by like, does God call suffering or does God allow suffering? Then That's you went into definitely the, like, a podcast we should do. Yeah, but it 100% anyways. is because I think how we frame that matters, how we say that matters. But the where you ended up, I think like not that and not that. I mean, you yeah. just posed a question. You didn't give an answer. But I think what you were saying is the intention matters. And so, you know, yeah, you have you. friendships and relationships <laughs> where the intention is to help you, then it might mean sometimes saying something that you don't want to hear, but you need to hear it. And I tell people all the time this, like some people in friendships want you just to be happy. And they'll basically affirm whatever kind of bias you have because they think it might make you happy. Whereas I would say if you're a person of faith, a person that tells you what you need to hear will make you holy. And in your holiness, you'll find true happiness or what we would call joy. And I think that's a big difference. And so the intentionality, it matters. And I think I do think you can have a person with great intention that's just wrongly played out. And so this wasn't like a hard line, like eliminate all friends who might not. Yeah. But I mean, who you surround yourself mattered. And you look at Jesus, like, I mean, he had 12 disciples, but then he had three that he hung out with more than the the other nine. And then he had one disciple who was called the beloved, you know? And so like he had these smaller circles. And so, I mean, if it worked for Jesus, maybe it should work for us too. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. yeah. I was going to ask for your tiny Tina, but you kind of gave it. Over. Yeah. So just, <laughs> well, just to kind of restate, like take, take those five, five areas of life. So faith, family, friendships, finances, fitness, and come up with either a word or a phrase that helps capture your ideal in those areas, the why behind the what. And then I think an extension of that, maybe this isn't too tiny at all, maybe this is a little bit bigger, is to just say, where, where in my life am I out of alignment with that ideal? Mm-hmm. And so if, if family is my first ministry, you know, maybe I need to take a look at alcohol, or maybe I need to take a look at time spent on my phone. Or maybe I need to take a look at. <laughs> he wasn't calling you out, Christy. He was calling. I was calling you out. Or, I'm calling or work out. that overlaps with family time. And so, I mean, there's a number of ways that we can evaluate, like, where are we out of alignment? And the truth is, me doesn't like to hear this, but like, we're constantly in this like pruning phase where we are like inva- evaluating uh-huh. our life where it's out of alignment in, in those areas of core values. So I think, yeah, if you're looking for application, that's probably, there's enough there to, to keep your audience pretty busy. The slow burn that is pruning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's always the more so and better fruit. Yes. And yeah. it, more and, and better fruit. Yeah. And then the fruits are there and it is so worth it. And that is, that is my giant reframe around pruning is yep. it. Yeah. The fruits that come from it. I have proof of that, but Yep. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I think I always, well, I always come back to this too. Like, if you're, ta- if you choose to take on this big fat Tina, this is not a tiny <laughs> Tina. If you, if you choose to take on the big fat Tina, no offense to big fat Tina. <laughs> no, no offense to the to the big fat Tina here. Is celebrate if you find that 
area or two or three where maybe you're not aligned, celebrate your awareness for it because you sure. can't make a change mm. if you're not aware of it. Yeah. And that was, that kept me stuck for so long, y'all. Kept yeah. me stuck and spinning for so long as I was not aware of. I just knew that something was off and I couldn't figure it out and I didn't really want to look at it. And so I'm just going to drink more wine and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so celebrate your awareness of it because that is, that is the, the spring, that's 80% of the work. And that's like that springboard to being able to, you know, walk intentionally and. Yeah. And I think it's important, like just celebrating that recognition and awareness also gets back to like this, at least for me and in, in the context of faith, like this idea of grace and like that we're, we're in a process and mm. we're in a journey. And it's really, I think it's really easy to hear a podcast, maybe like on the subject of core values. And you hear a guy like me who, you know, has like core values written out and like tries to structure life that feel like it's legalistic. And then if you're not like there yet, then you don't measure up. And look, I haven't always been here and I'm not perfect in this. And that's where grace comes in for all of us. Grace exists for all of us. And so to, to celebrate where we are in that curiosity that you guys talk about all the time, and really just trying to realign, knowing that that's a process and that's okay. Uh, there's grace. There's a grace of God for us. And there's grace that we should offer ourselves as well. Yeah. Love that. Thank you for coming again. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you Love so much. You. I you, feel like we have 17 other episodes now we have to do. That's my <laughs> goal is to, is to like do an episode and then give you 17 more so you'll keep bringing yeah. me back. Well, Do you want that was your picture next to us on the little on our little <laughs> logo. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.